is up, ambitious listeners? So, big, big, big episode today. So, joining me in the first half of the episode is NFL free agent Callaway Lee. Absolute beast of an athlete. And excited to see what he can do in his future. Big free agent and uh, hoping to see what he can do when he gets an opportunity. Because I think this this guy's going to be a fixture in a league at some point. And other guests on today's show, good personal friend of mine... And incredible talent, Becky Monet. She just had a new EP come out called Thinking of You. It is absolutely incredible. I listened to it a couple times already now and happy to tell Becky that. But it it was just a privilege to sit down with her and pick her brain ahead of what is a huge and monumental step in her budding career, and excited for you guys to hear that, excited for you guys to hear my conversation with Callaway, but first, a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Anchor. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is an absolute beast of an athlete from Virginia University of Lynchburg. He is a defensive lineman and fullback and all-around versatile athlete. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Callaway Lee. Callaway, how are you, my man? I'm good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So first things first, the name. I gotta ask, Callaway Lee has got to be one of the coolest names of any athlete I've ever heard. That's right, man. It's very, it's very unique. I actually got the name from my great great grandfather. I was named after him. Oh. And then, and then he was na- he was named after his father, so it, it goes a long way. Oh, very very cool. So diving right into things, you grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. When did you start playing football? I started playing football when I was about nine years old. Uh, um, organized football, but you know, regular throw up tackle football. Probably like six, five or six. But I organized football about nine, and after I uh, got that first um, hit of a corner with equipment on, it was on and popping from there. <laughs> now you. I guess growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, Maryland's not really a place I guess I'd associate as like a football area. Is that a statement you feel is true, or do you feel that Maryland actually has a lot of talented football players? Uh, we have a lot of talented football players. Maryland is really known for lacrosse, but you can't you can't pass up football. Um, we have a very, a very amount of good talent here. Um, you know, they actually just did a study. I think it was about, I think the article might have came out two years ago. And uh, Maryland, no, the Baltimore Metro pop, um, the Baltimore Metro area actually had the number one for the Division One athletes going to Division One schools. Oh wow! So that was pretty. That was pretty cool when I seen that. But that was just for the um, that was just for the DMV area, so Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia. So just out of those three, but but still, that was still kind of big since we're not really known for um, too much football, known for more of a crowd. Very, very cool, and that's a good place to uh, grow up then, that you uh, you guys breed a lot of D1 athletes. Now, I guess diving right into that, um, how was your high school football experience? Uh, my high school football experience was, 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 pretty, was pretty good. You know, um, I, started, I started out on the junior varsity team and, uh, for my first two seasons, and then uh, my last two seasons, of course, was on varsity. Uh, JD, we had a pretty good season my freshman year. And then um, my sophomore year, we didn't do so hot. And then um, my junior year, we went to the playoffs. We went 7-3, went to the playoffs. And uh, it was a night game, playoff game. We lost, but it, it was it was just a 
different feeling because I was actually, you know, playing for a championship, you know, towards a championship for the first time. Um, so it was it was it was pretty an awesome experience. And my senior year, my senior year, we didn't do so hot. So, but the experiences, it was it was. Uh, I, I still wouldn't trade it in for for anything. That is very, very cool. Now, diving right into that, I guess, from the senior year perspective, what was your college recruiting process like? Uh, my college recruiting process was actually kind of weird because um, I didn't even know that you had to be um, registered with the NCAA Eligibility Center until the spring of my um, the spring of my senior year when, uh, when a good friend of mine, um, he was going to um, Tennessee State, and he was like, bro, you have to register and show them your grades and show them your classes and everything. And I didn't even know. The coaches didn't tell me or anything. And uh, so I was learning about that, doing that. And uh, I had um, qualified partially for Division two. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything. I wanted to play football right away. So me and, me and a good friend of mine, his name is Michael Cox, we, we actually went to a junior college in Minnesota for the first two years. And, um, and, and um, grinded it out there, and uh, that was that was a pretty pretty good experience because um, I like I kind of like the underdog mentality. So and going JUCO, it, it was kind of an underdog mentality. So it felt it felt real good, you know, working my way up from the bottom all the way up to the top for where I ended up at Virginia University of Lynchburg. But um, JUCO man, JUCO is a JUCO is a different animal. Uh, people overlook JUCOs. I don't know why. But uh, Juco, Juco is a very different animal, I'll tell you that. Now, that's something that I feel has been uh, sentiment shared by a lot of my uh, most recent guests, and Davon Howard, uh, LaShawn Sanders, and Justin Wilson, is Juco does not get as much value as it truly deserves. And especially you hear about these Juco prospects every year come out, and they're usually around the same signing day as some of the high school prospects. And not a lot of coaches... Right. Coaches that are ready to win now take chances on JUCO players, but if a team is, say, a year out they feel from a national championship, then they may not be as prone to take that shot on JUCO players, and I feel that that kind of hinders JUCO players' development. Would you feel with that, or you feel you agree with yeah, that? No, I, I, no I, I agree with you 100%, and, uh, you know, that's the thing, like, we're overlooked because, you know, it's the JUCO college, but, but I tell you right now, some of the most hungriest athletes that play the sport of football went to a junior college first. Not taking anything away from, you know, people that went to D1 or uh, Division two or even D3 right out of high school because all of those divisions, I'm telling you, man, all of them. And, and even speaking on Division three, man, you, if you got to go Division three, man, or even Division two, there's so many hungry athletes that's, that's really getting after it. That's, that's that's trying to work their way up to the NFL or CFO or wherever, but you're going to find the most hungriest athletes from the JUCO and Division Three. Like, like if you could take a JUCO team and a Division Three team and make them to an all-star team, man, they'll give a Division One and run for their money every time. Probably even win sometimes. So I'm, it's, it's just crazy how hungry we are, and uh, it's just a different mentality. Different mentality. I definitely think that that you just hit the nail on the head, and I feel like that different mentality stands from a sense of um, complacence, I guess, because you look at a team, a fine example of this right now, actually, to me, is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're so good, 
but it seems like this season, no matter how good they're doing, they're getting a little complacent, like that loss against the Raiders. That was a little bit of complacence. But if you look at a team that's young and hungry, like the Raiders, I mean, this is a team built with guys that you've not really heard's name as highly as some of the top receivers. Hunter Renfro in the receiving core, Brian Edwards, and then you've got defensive pieces like Max Crosby. And I could go on, but... That sense of complacence, I think, stems from just playing D1 or knowing you're that good. And I feel like that's when you get some of those talents like you just hit that are so talented. And talking of such talents, let's talk about your game. I mean, you had a lot of success at Jugo level, and that led you to University of Virginia Lynchburg. And you tore it up there, and that is not an understatement. You absolutely balled out there. And I was watching some of your film, actually, in preparation for this, and all I had to say was, wow, whether you were up against a double team, whether you were one-on-one on the defensive line, you were really good. And even as a fullback, you were a very, very good blocker as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, when I went to Virginia University of Lynchburg, uh, they actually recruited me as a running back because, you know, I played running back and fullback in junior college. But then when I got there, you know, um, some things were happening on the defensive line, and uh, and they already had running backs in place already. And uh, so, as a you know, I'm a team player, so the, the, the line coach said, hey, man, you want to come over here with me? Uh, I said, sure, man, you know, um, because I used to play defensive line in high school as well, so I, I knew a little bit. And, um, man, once I got over there, man, Well, you were definitely bringing in that in those trenches, especially your senior year. I had your statistics, and if it was more than this, correct me if I'm wrong, but 45 tackles, 10.5 TFLs, 6 sacks, a couple forced fumbles. I mean, man, you balled out at University of Lynchburg. I'm, you were dominant on defensive line. What does that mean to you to know you put such a good foot forward at, in your time there? Now, you seem like the kind of guy that plays, and I've seen this very evidently in your film, you play even after the whistle. I mean, you are a high-motor, 
and hardworking athlete. So shout out to you on that. Do you feel that those are some of your best traits? And if not, what are some of your uh, other best traits on the gridiron? Oh, yeah, man. Um, you know, my number one trait I would take for myself is uh, effort and hard work. Like, you know, um, coming up as a Ravens fan, you know, I watch Ray Lewis and everything. And I, and I used to watch his speeches before my um, before my um, Little League games, you know, to hear what he's saying and things like that. And one thing I always took out of that was effort, effort, effort. And, man, I took that and I ran with it. The effort is, the effort is what you can control on that field. Um, you know, you can keep going after the whistle. You know, effort is gonna, effort is gonna take you, um, gonna take you places, not just on the field, but in life. If you apply effort to everything you do uh, in life, you know, whether you're going to get a job, you know, you're working out, or you're going to meet somebody, you're, you're trying to date somebody, you put effort in into everything you do, man. It's gonna take you so far in life, man, and that's on and off the field, on and off the field. Now, that's kind of funny that you listen to Ray Lewis because I immediately knew from the moment this interview started that you have a magnitude about you or magnetism that really gravitates towards, I guess, that style of player. I'd say you definitely talk and you have a lot of confidence and charisma. Would you say that's necessarily a fair assessment? Oh, yes. Most, most definitely, man. Most definitely. You know, um... Ray Lewis, man, just watching him, his play style, and you know the way, the way, the way he leads, he leads his team and everything, and, and not just on the field, but the way he carries himself off the field. He has so much faith in God, and and and, and, and he's a family man, and, and, and he take care, takes care of his family, and puts effort into everything he does, man. And um, it just it just takes him so far in life, and, and not just him, but other people as well, man. Um, I just can't say any more good things about about the guy, you know. And for me, me taking that, man, I just apply it to my life, and uh, you know, I just I, I roll with it, man. I roll with it. No matter if I'm washing my car, I'ma spend two hours washing my car. I get it done. I'ma get it done the way I want to get it done, and uh, you know, and, and make it shine. <laughs> Well, that's a good perspective, actually, to look at your the other aspects of your game, trying to make it shine. So if you had to pinpoint an aspect of your game right now that you would say you're ne- not necessarily strongest in, what would you say that area would be? Uh, I would say, um, I'd probably say my speed. As a, as a running back, or, or, or as a running back, I would say my speed. But, uh, you know, um, I would actually say I have a Exceptional speed, like I'm not a I'm not a breakaway player, but uh, I'm a I'm more of a power back. So um, you give me the ball and uh, uh, I, I'm gonna get you four yards to carry, you know. And um, but uh, that's one thing I have been working on over the past couple of years since training the SP is my speed work, and my speed work has definitely got better because uh, those guys did and uh, those guys did uh, they were mad. They were nasty. That's all I can say, man. They were nasty. And, uh, you know, those guys were great. Now, looking at more down the road here, if you had to give yourself, like, a five-year goal, what would that goal be? Uh, that goal would be uh, um, on the field. It would be, um, be – that goal would be to be in the NFL within the next five years. And uh, off the field, it would be uh, – It'll be um, the best real estate uh, wholesaler or agent or whatever you want to call it in the uh, whole wide world. 
Now, would you say that you, if if football were not to work out, you would say that you would pursue real estate or entrepreneurship? Well, I definitely think that just from talking to you and looking at your film, you definitely sound like you are hardworking and willing to uh, do all that. And I definitely think you're going to have a lot of success on the gridiron. So right now, I wouldn't necessarily focus on that as an option. Definitely could be a side hustle, but not as the uh, fallback because I don't think you're going to need it anytime soon. But talking about what's next. Obviously, right now, it's hard to gauge that with the pandemic and a lot of football leagues being postponed, canceled, whatnot. So where do you feel is the next step for you, Callaway? Do you feel that there's um, a league that's calling your name right now? Or where? what is the next step for you to continue your football career? Um, I actually just uh, had a trial last Saturday with the, uh, Allen, with the Allentown Tiger Cats. It's an arena football team in uh, Dallas, Texas. And, uh, um, you know... I believe um, we're going to do some great things because uh, I believe uh, I did very well at the tryout. So just waiting to hear back from the coach and, uh, and things should be moving forward soon on that grid you know, to get my professional career started. Very nice, very nice. Now talking about... Um Talking about where you fit within a professional football franchise, where do you see that as? Do you see yourself being a fullback at the next level, a running back, a defensive lineman? Where do you see? Because you provide a lot of versatility to whatever team signs you. Uh, I could play. I really can play defensive line or fullback, but due to my height, they won't. Uh, the NFL criteria, um, they won't allow that. But uh, I would say. I would say either fullback or or power back. So um, that's where I see myself in the, in the NFL or in um, the CFL or, or whichever league, really. Um, you know, more so on, on, on that scale. Now, talking about your legacy, and this is one of my uh, back half questions here, but... When it's all said and done, Callaway, what do you want your legacy to be on and off the gridiron? Uh, I want um, a very, a very respectful, um, a very respectful um, young man or grown man that uh, gave everything he got on and off the field with, with everything he, um, with everything he done, he has done, um, you know, and uh, really, um, you know, impacted a lot of people's lives, you know on the field and off the field, you know, off the field, I would say, you know, uh, within my community, uh, especially homelessness and uh, anybody that's really in need or any way I can help, you know, I, I love helping people um, in any way I can. So um, that's really, I, that's what I would really would want my legacy to be, you know, a guy that always helped everyone no matter what, you know, he always got it done no matter the circumstance. Now, Looking at some players um, who inspire you, you mentioned Ray Lewis. Aside from him, and you mentioned being a Ravens fan, aside from Ray Lewis, who are some other players you look up to? Um, I would say Ray Lewis, 
say I I, I look up to uh um dang it. Uh Eddie George, man. Eddie Eddie George, he's a uh, he's a hard working uh running back man. He used to play for the Titans. And um man, he gave everything he got every play. Not just him but Walter Payton. Man, the way that they used to work back in the day without the resources that we have now, man, it just it took them it took them to another level. It, it took them to another level. And I always admired that. I always admired that. Very, very cool. Now, Callaway, my last question for you here is a very, very big one. If you could be any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be? You said a boat? Yep. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, would have to say, uh, I would have to say a speedboat, man. I would have to say a speedboat. Is that because you're moving so quick? Well, that is definitely apparent when you're watching your film on the gridiron. So, Callaway, where could the people find you on social media and wherever else you are keeping people up to date on your uh, professional football career? Uh, You guys can find me on Facebook at um, just my my name, Callaway Lee, C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y, and the L-E-E is the last name. I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at C underscore Lee. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Joining me on today's show is an absolutely phenomenal artist. Her EP just released this Friday, titled Thinking of You. She is Becky Monet. Becky, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It is awesome to sit down with you. Really excited to tell the audience your story and tell them about this phenomenal EP that you just produced. Thank you for having me. Of course. So going to your roots, when did you realize that music was your passion? Well, my uh, my cousin Alexis Costa, when I was seven years old, um, she introduced me to this theater company in Sullivan County called Sullivan County Dramatic Workshop, and they run out of the Rivoli Theater in South Fallsburg. And she said, hey, they're doing a musical called Snow White. You should audition with me. And at first I was like, Mm-mm, that's not my thing. Like, I, I was like, no, I'm a tomboy, because I was a tomboy when I was a kid, and I, I was never good at sports, but I wanted to be good at sports, and I was like, I was a skater kid, and I was like, this is what I want to do, I don't want to be a, a musical theater kid, but then I got into it, and we had auditions for some of the songs and the solos, and I got like two or three solos, and it was freaking amazing, like I was so, I was, I was so happy being on stage, and I think that was like the moment when I realized I really wanted to do theater, so yeah. So then talk to me about how this all came about, how your EP came about. Well, um, during quarantine, of course, uh, it gave me a lot of time 
to work on my original stuff being that um, I'm not allowed to do live theater or, or live gigs or do stuff like that because I usually go to some pubs or bars or restaurants nearby in Sullivan County and Hudson Valley and I play gigs and I play a lot of covers and once in a while I'll throw an original in there but I never really had time to sit down and write originals and record them and kind of like be happy and 100% confident and comfortable with them but during quarantine it gave me so much time so I just decided hey let's release an EP that that's going to be fun. So I decided that I wanted to do that. And that's something that I can have on record when I want to try to get gigs or try to get paid things. So I can tell them like, hi, my name is Becky Monet. You can check me out on SoundCloud, Apple music, uh, Spotify, all that stuff. So how kind of connecting the two questions, but how surreal is it to you that you're a produced artist at this point to an extent and you have work out there for people to enjoy. I never, I never really thought that I would get to this point. I, cause when I was younger, like I, I, I listened to all this music, like all, like the chili peppers, Nirvana, um, like a bunch of grunge. Cause I was really into that, like Weezer. And then, um, when I got older, I started getting into a lot more indie stuff. And when I listen to the lyrics of these artists that I'm so in love with, I just, I, I think, how can I ever make something that can hold a candle to that, that can be as good as that? And I still, I still don't think that I'm as good as a lot of the artists that I look up to, but I definitely think that I'll get there eventually. And I'm excited to take that journey. And, um, yeah, I, I, it's pretty surreal. Now, you talked about some of your influences there that you had listened to. If you had to, I guess, pinpoint some of the influences specific to this EP, are there artists or a necessary style that you felt like really fit this EP, or is it just your own, like you really made this your own? It's a mix of both. Um, Not necessarily for this EP, but just like overall, one of my biggest influences is a musical artist named Youngblood. I'm sure a lot of my friends and people who know me have heard me talk about him more than freaking anything and um i i love him he he just has such an amazing um like an amazing voice and an amazing story to tell and he says be yourself don't let anyone pin you down there's hope for the underrated youth which is one of his albums that he has and we're, we are underrated as youth we're we're misunderstood we're not we're not as broadly casted as as older people and we're, our views are, are put down and um I think that Youngblood is a big influence on me putting my music out there at first because I, I'm so nervous about it and I was nervous about it releasing it but Youngblood really gave me the confidence to start this and then uh influences for the style of music is definitely some Clario Claro I don't know if anyone has heard of her some people pronounce her name different so I don't I, I didn't want to <laughs> step on any toes but um then there's also Dodie Clark and um she plays ukulele and she's like an indie artist that just has like a lot of acoustic music out there as well as uh Cave Town which is another indie alternative band that do a lot of acoustic stuff and a lot of my stuff is based off of their style so they're a big influence on this EP. Now kind of in the same realm if you had to pinpoint somebody, whether it be an artist like you just talked about, or whether it be an individual in your life, who would you say, or a couple people that inspire you? Um, again, Youngblood is a big is a big inspiration. Um, my cousin Alexis, who I said got me into theater in the first place, she's a big inspiration to me. 
because she's been doing theater since she was really, really young, and she's the person that got me into it. So uh, a lot of, of my success and a lot of my my roles and, and my, my advancement in theater over the years is all thanks to her. Like, she, she really put me in a very good position with music. Um, my parents are very, very supportive of me. They like, cause a lot of the time people are like, oh, music is a very hard career to get into, which I agree with. It's something that not many people can make a career out of, but they're very supportive with me. They say, if it's what I want to do, then do it. Um, if, if you, if you don't succeed, try again. It's, it's all about persistence and just giving it everything you have. Now let's talk about the EP itself. You talked about how this came about. Now, how many songs are on the EP? There are six songs on the EP. Wow. So in talking about some of those songs, it's called Thinking of You. Is there a song called Thinking of You? What were what are the song titles, I guess, on this album is a better question to ask. <laughs> yes. There is a song called Thinking of You. It is the last song on the album and uh, or the EP. Uh, there's another song called Sunflower King, Leave Me Alone, Your Sweater and Revealing. And then there's also Butterflies, which I released a while ago I released it back in June that was just like the single off the EP the first thing I've ever released of my own original music and I decided to just throw it on the EP because it's a collection of everything I've written so far and yeah the, those are the six songs they are they mean a lot to me there's 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 a lot of influence from them from my life it's just projected onto my music now this has got to be a tough question because it's like picking your favorite child but in picking the song that is your favorite, I guess, on the album, or the one that you're most proud of, what would it be? Or the EP, sorry. That is really, really hard. Um, I mean, I always have a special place in my heart for Butterflies because it's the first original piece I've ever released like in my life as a musician. Um, your Sweater is also it means a lot to me because it's a very emotional song. When you listen to it, you'll you'll know like that that is some heavy stuff. And it's some people don't like sad music, but other people, I just want to give people a, a, an outlook to see that they're not alone and that everyone feels the pain of heartbreak and the pain of not being good enough and um, not being able to, to like be yourself. And that's what a lot of my, my album is about. Um, Cause yes, it's angsty teenage heartbreak <laughs> as, as a lot of musicians have, but um, it, it means a lot to me because I don't want people to think that they're the only people that are going through the pain of, not getting the guy you want or not being good enough for the guy you want or the girl you want, whatever. Um, relationships are hard in high school and sometimes music can help you get through that because it can make you feel like you're not alone. Now, in talking about this EP, obviously knowing you, there's been a lot of work that you've put into this and you are someone who is diligent and dedicated when it comes to music but in talking about the ep specifically what are the we're recording this on thursday it's getting released tomorrow night and episode getting dropped on monday as you're listening to this but in talking about the expectations and feelings right now less than 12 or so hours from when this is going to get dropped what does this feel like for you in the anticipation for you to finally release this? It's really scary because I, I like, I'm, I'm a very submissive person. Like I, I, I take people's criticism and people's opinions really to heart. And, um, from, I just, I did a podcast with Selma County Dramatic Workshop not too long ago. And, um, that has one of my original songs on it. That is a sneak peek to my, 
my, my EP and I've gotten so much positive feedback already. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to release an EP. I wonder how much feedback I'm going to get from that positive or negative. I want it all. I want everyone's opinions. If it's good or bad, I, I want to hear it. I want to know how I can improve. Um, and I, I, I am very nervous because it's putting a lot of my soul out there for people to judge and people to listen to, but I'm excited. Now, you just said that you're putting a lot of your soul out there. Music and even theater are traditionally vulnerable professions where you really have to be emotionally vulnerable to have success, and especially in the fact that you write these songs. It's not like you're singing something somebody else wrote, so there's a lot more emotion that goes into it. Do you feel that you are someone who can handle that emotional vulnerability down the road as your career wears on? I think so. Um, I've always been an emotional person. I'm very good at showing my emotions. Um, I don't I don't hide it. I used to, but now I'm like, you know what? It is what it is, man, and we are who we are, and we shouldn't have to hide that. Um, so I think as time goes on, I'm just going to put more and more of myself into my music, and I want to show people that because it's not something you can show people in your everyday life when you're just talking to someone or when you're friends with someone. Your music is really like what's inside of you and what, what's in your head and what, who you are, your essence. This year's been crazy, um, a pandemic, um, everything else that's gone on within it. But for you specifically, your first song came out in June. It is November now. Your first EP is coming out. This has been a big year for you creatively, despite the fact that there hasn't been live theater or necessarily as many live performances as you typically be involved in. But despite that, what do you feel this year has taught you from a creative sense? It's taught me that, well, because theater and music is such like a big thing in my life and mm -hmm. it's so much of like who I am and what I do. Like, like for people that play sports, uh, Corona's been bad because they there's no sports games. Like, for me, there's no music. And um, I think it just taught me that no matter what tries to get there to knock you down, like, there's always a way around it. There's always a way to figure out how to do what you love, even though the world isn't allowing it right now. Because you can, I can do everything from the comfort of my bed. Like, I, I record all my songs sitting in my bed. And it's, you would, you would think that you have to go to a recording studio or have all this equipment, but I have a $10 mic off Amazon and my MacBook and that is it. And it honestly, it, I'm sure once I release more music, it'll get to an, a higher professional level. But right now I'm working with what I have and that's what everyone's doing right now with, with Corona and everything going on with the pandemic. We're working with what we have and honestly, it's not too bad. And if this is, this is as low as, as everything can get it's not it's not as bad as it could be we we can make the most of it and do what we can yeah bring it on 2020 <laughs> <laughs> but in talking about i guess an overall hindsight on a potential career and really your life as a whole and this is a question that i ask everybody who comes on but becky when it's all said and done what do you want your legacy to be That is a difficult question. I never really thought about my legacy. I just, I, I want to leave an impact on people. I want like, like right now, you you know who the Beatles are. Everyone knows who the Beatles are. Everyone knows um, these, these significant musicians. Like I'm not saying I want to be as good as the Beatles because no one's going to be as good as the Beatles. But I, I just want to be known. Like I want people to hear me and I want my music to make an impact. Like I want 
people to see my music and be like, wow, that is something powerful. That is something that I understand and that I can use to help myself. I want to help people. That's what I want to do. I love that. Great answer. Now, the final question, maybe even bigger than the legacy question. Becky, if you could be any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be and why? Maybe a kayak, because okay. you know they're just doing their own thing. You're not like not like a big speedboat, so you're not obnoxious. You're just a little kayak sitting in the river, and being calm and doing your own thing. So I think I think that's me. I think I'm a kayak. Being calm and doing their own thing. I feel like that was the best way. If I had to describe you to somebody who didn't know you, I think that'd be a great way. Becky, I've known you forever. It's been a privilege to get to have worked with you these past few years and everything we've done. It's been a privilege to watch you grow as an artist, and I cannot wait for this EP to come out. And if you're listening to this, go listen to it. She's phenomenal. Check it out. So, Becky, tell them where they can find you on social media and where can they find Thinking of You. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram uh, at BeckyMonet underscore. Um, You can find me on Facebook uh, as Rebecca Salerno, because that is my actual name. Um, you can find my music uh, under Becky Monet. You can look at Becky Monet Thinking of You or just Becky Monet on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, uh, Pandora, any any streaming platform. It's on any and every streaming platform there is. So, Well, here we go. It's been so cool watching you grow to this point, Becky, and cannot wait for everybody to go check out this phenomenal EP. Ladies and gentlemen, the incredibly talented Becky Monet. Thank you again, Becky. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Callaway and Becky for coming on. Very, very bright futures for both of them and very excited to see what both of them do and enjoy Becky's phenomenal EP, Thinking of You. It's out on all streaming platforms and you can check out Callaway on his Instagram. And reminder, you can check out the pod wherever you listen to podcasts as you're listening to them right now. And then you can also find us on Twitter, Ambitious with DP, YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price, and Instagram at Ambitious Podcast. Have a wonderful week, Ambitious listeners, and happy Thanksgiving. Reminder to be thankful for everything you have in our life. Obviously, it is a hard time to see that with the pandemic and the second wave incoming here in America, but reminders to just be thankful for the little things. Be thankful for family. Be thankful for your health. And just God bless you guys and God bless your families and have a wonderful Thanksgiving, ambitious listeners. And have a wonderful, wonderful week.